started there a few weeks ago, and we're going to continue. But uh, we started in the beginning with uh, Jesus speaking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and that the kingdom of God is opposed by the kingdom of darkness. We talked a little bit about that, two very different kingdoms, and we're going to talk more in the, the weeks to come. We're just kind of laying the foundation here to build that. And then last week, we talked about the baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit from the perspective that God actually wants us to be filled with the Spirit. He wants us to have the Spirit. He actually says that he's excited for us. But part of that in today's climate is that we need to deal with the issue of tongues. And so we're going to talk about tongues today, uh, which I hadn't communicated to all these people who share different things. Uh, what Julianne experienced was a tongue and interpretation, but it happened to be in a known language. Hmm. So, turn with me to Acts 2, and then let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence today. Thank you that you're here with us. We just uh, trust you, Holy Spirit. Trust you to open the word to us. Trust you to lead us. Give us revelation. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We started Acts 2 last week. Uh, they were the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and marveled. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, we're going to get to later on, talks about different kinds of tongues. I want to talk to you about three different kinds of tongues in the Bible. Now, the, the term tongue, as it, we read here, they spoke in different, uh, spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That word is, in Greek, means language as well as tongue. And you're going to see that. They spoke in a language, obviously. Uh, sometimes we think it just means the tongue. But it actually is synonymous for languages. And so they spoke in other languages. And so the very first thing we see is that it was a language that was unknown to the speaker, but it was known to the hearer. Now, that's quite supernatural. Not on the hearer's side, on the speaker's side. They spoke some, a language that they didn't know, and it was actually understandable to those who heard it. Verse 11, it says, uh, we heard them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. I love that. That's really what praise and worship is, declaring the wonderful works of God. And so there was something of that. So the first Uses of tongue, or the first kind of tongue, various kinds of tongues, is a language that is unknown to the speaker, but is known to the hearer. 
You still with me? Very simple. 1 Corinthians 13 says, it's on the screen already, isn't it? <laughs> Though I speak, I, I should just put my Bible away. No. I, I forgot I was supposed to speak with a very low voice today so that uh, I missed it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. The tongues of men and angels. Now that's interesting because we don't actually get an angel tongue, do we? It actually is talking about a spiritual language. So it's identifying type, types of tongues or kinds of tongues can be natural tongues of men, which we just saw, or spiritual. You still with me? 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual, the supernatural or spiritual gift manifestations, but especially that you may prophesy. And verse 2 says this, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Wait, we just read that they spoke in a language that the people understood. They were speaking to the people. But this says, when we speak in a tongue, we're not speaking to people, but to God. It's identifying a different type, a spiritual language that is actually speaking to God. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Interesting. He's actually speaking to God. But he gets edified. Jude chapter, uh, verse 20. I say that, it always throws me because Jude only has one chapter. And so we, we're used to saying chapter and verse. But in verse 20, Oh, heck. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what we were just talking about. There's something of being edified as we pray in the Spirit. It's a spirit language. Romans chapter 8. I do have that one in my Bible. From verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Interesting that weaknesses is plural. We don't just have one. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So one type of tongue is a language that is unknown to the speaker but known to the hearer. Another type of tongue is a language of the Spirit that is unknown to the speaker, but is known to the spirit. We're going to come back to that. Back over in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Don't hear what it's not saying. It's not talking about grading people. It's talking about the activity that is most conducive 
in a church setting. It's not saying someone who prophesies is greater. It's actually saying the activity. He who speaks in a tongue, unless and indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So there is a third kind of tongue, which is a language that with interpretation equals prophecy. That could be a natural language or a spiritual language. But it's with interpretation that gives an understanding. And then it goes on in verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue, he's talking about in church now, pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What's the conclusion of all this? You're asking yourself that. What in the world is he talking about today? What's the conclusion? The conclusion is this. I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. And I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Because on it says, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, then he who occupies the place of the uninformed, uh, how can he say amen? If you give thanks, since he does not understand what you say, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. What's he saying? Both praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit are directed toward God. Blessing and giving thanks is directed toward people. You with me? He's actually not saying, don't speak in tongues. He says, just put it in the right place. When you're talking to someone, don't just go off into language because they have no idea what you're saying. Mary and I were uh, in Mexico when we were young. We took a team of young people before our kids were born. So this is a couple years ago. And uh, we took a team of young people, and one of the guys was really excited. We're in Mexico. Obviously, these, this team doesn't speak Spanish, but we're doing different things. And we were actually playing baseball uh, with some of the, the young guys. And one of the guys on our team just started speaking in tongues real loud. And we looked at him, and we went, what are you doing? He said, well, I was hoping it would be Spanish. It wasn't. (laughs) So a third type of tongue is language and interpretation that equals prophecy. So we had three. A language that is unknown to the speaker but known to the hearer. A spiritual language that is unknown to the speaker but known to the spirit. And a third type of tongue, though it could be uh, the same language, but that with interpretation equals prophecy. It's actually for the church. Okay? You still with me? Let me give you some thoughts. All these tongues are supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. 
They're not a shortcut to learning another language. Rats. I always wanted that, that, wish that would happen. Actually, Mary and I had lunch with a guy from uh, uh, West Africa. Well, we were in South Africa a number of years ago. We had lunch with this guy, and we were hearing his story. And he, uh, he was leading a church in uh, Nigeria, if I'm right. But they were praying for the next country over, Niger, I think it is. But they have a, where they were praying for has a different language. And they were praying. And in the middle of the night, he had a dream of an old man came to him and said, will you come to Niger and preach the gospel and plant a church? And he said, but I don't speak the language. And the old man said to him in the dream, if you could, would you come? He said, of course. He woke up in the morning, could speak, read, and write the language of Niger. <laughs> you think God wanted him there? <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. That was not the only nation that he went to. He was actually on his third or fourth nation, uh, just seeing God, God work. Why the tongue? James chapter 3 uses some illustrations that equates with the tongue. As a rudder moves a ship, as the bit in the mouth of a horse directs the horse, that our tongue has some sort of power. I just think God's saying, hey, will you trust me? Will you surrender to me? Speaking in tongues requires faith and trust. It requires faith because it's a language I don't understand. Now, let me say this for some of you. A language of the Spirit bypasses our understanding but doesn't bypass our will. And a lot of people have problems with that. It's a language I don't understand, but nobody makes me speak it. God doesn't get hold of my tongue. <laughs> we don't get possessed. <laughs> can, can you write that one down? Will you erase that from the uh, podcast? It's a language that we don't understand. But it's not something that bypasses our will. We still partner with God. We still have to actually speak it. God doesn't make us. And too often people have this idea that they're waiting for God to take control of them and make them do something. He doesn't do that. He doesn't possess us. We don't get in some uh, trance that something happens. God doesn't work that way. In any arena, people who get into these things where they talk about writing, that something possesses them and makes them write, let me tell you, that's not God. No matter what the outcome is, the process is not God. 
So I still have to choose to speak. My last thought for you, and I'm going to step on some toes here. (laughs) I'm going to put it in a positive light. My last thought, and I'm going to put it personally, is that I've had to come to a place where I trust the Holy Spirit. See, I was raised in a, as I've shared with you, an evangelical church that didn't actually, wasn't spirit-filled, didn't have any place for the Spirit. Uh, And so what ended up happening in that context is that we worked hard. We had to do things. And there was a residual of that when I actually got filled with the Spirit and then seeing some Pentecostal people and how they functioned, thinking that the Holy Spirit needs help. None of you have ever done this. Sometimes we think, we feel like the Holy Spirit needs help. Have you ever seen someone praying for someone to be filled with the Spirit, put their hand in their back and their hand on their head and push until they fall over? (laughs) And call it being slain in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. I heard a guy, a Pentecostal, uh, Pentecostal guy once, in doing that said, if the Spirit's not moving, I'll move the Spirit. I think his heart was good, but unfortunately, he did not trust the Holy Spirit. I think he was probably more concerned about the appearance of his ministry. But I, have to, I had to come to the point where I said, I trust the Holy Spirit. I realize I don't have to push people over. I also don't have to prime the pump to get people to speak in tongues. <laughs> Don't have to say, just say Alibaba Honda Nissan Audi. Alibaba Honda Nissan Audi. <laughs> say it over and over again, we're gonna prime the pump. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Yamaha. Sorry. <laughs> Now, some of you are laughing because you've actually seen that model. If you never have, praise God. But there's something that happens when we don't trust the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a whole bigger picture. I mean, that, that could impact, I could preach for an hour on that. When we think that we have to help the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts people of sin. But sometimes we think we have to. I need to point out, Johnny, what the sin in your life. I need to tell you what, what this is. You know, because obviously you don't see it. And the Holy Spirit's not showing you. The Holy Spirit needs my help. I'm used to Johnny because he's a great guy. <laughs> but how often do we see people do that? They think the Holy Spirit needs me to bring conviction to someone. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked. That's not what I'm talking about today. See, trusting the Holy Spirit... I trust that he knows people's hearts. He knows their hunger. He knows their feelings of self-consciousness. It's amazing how many people who pray for the Holy Spirit 
don't speak in tongues at the time, but they speak in tongues later. Why? Because too often they feel self-conscious. People are looking at me. People are listening. Do I have something? <laughs> and sometimes we just laugh. So what does that mean for us? While we don't have to prime the pump, I think we can create an atmosphere that makes it easy for people to not only be filled with the Spirit, but to then allow the language of the Spirit to flow through them. Okay? Rather than get people in front and then say, okay, now say this, I think that we as the whole team of ministers, if we actually are come to a place of worshiping Jesus, uh, then I think God can do something. So we're actually going to do that. We're going to focus on Jesus, not on us. The Father says this. He's a good Father. And He says that it's His desire, His delight to give the Holy Spirit to them who ask. I think we all need more of the Spirit. And so I'm asking... God, give us more of your spirit. <laughs> Would you stand with me? What we're going to do is, uh, yeah, worship team, if you come. We're going to just put this into practice. We're going to be doers of the word. We're going to sing with the understanding, and we're going to sing with the spirit. Now, if you've never experienced that before, you did earlier, because that's what we were doing. And so uh, it's not a pressure for you. It's just something of us getting our focus back on Jesus. We're then going to pray with the understanding, and we're going to pray with the Spirit. And so if you've asked God to fill you, let me tell you, if you ask God to fill you with the Spirit, you're filled. I trust Him. There's no, you know what the, the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit is, the evidence is holiness. Because yeah. he's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Very, very good. And you only see that over time. Oh, you need that. Come on. So it's, it's all of us together. It's we're the kingdom of priests, we're the ministers that create an atmosphere that make it easy for the Holy Spirit to, to work. It's not me. It's not these guys. No, it's all the pressures on them. I'm with you. No, we just focus on Jesus. See, too often our methodology gets our focus on us and off of Jesus. So let's just begin to worship Him, and then uh, I'll give you some instruction as we go along. In English first, with our understanding. Yeah. 